You're listening to Queer Travel Chat by Too Bad Tourists. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Travel Chat. My name is Austin. I am your host, uh, half of the the blogger um, duo Too Bad Tourists, and joined with me every week is David. I'm the other half. I'm David. Today, we're going to be talking with Harry Etia. He's a media communication specialist and a sexual orientation and gender identity advocate. He's from Nigeria, and he'll talk to us about what life is like for the queer community there. He's a man of many hats. Is that No, no. He, he wears many hats or maybe a man of many trades, I He's think, a man of many, many skills. He wears talents. many. He <laughs> man, it sounds good to me. That's all over our social media promoted, so I... <laughs> Oops. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to talk about, uh, to him about all the things he does. He does advocacy work. Uh, doc- he uh, has two documentaries, if not more. Uh, his online publication, The Rest in Times. He has a podcast, The Harry Minute. So there's a lot of things uh, we want to talk to him about. Yeah, but first, we just want to say a few words about some of our hosted trips for 2022. So if you've been listening um, this season on our podcast, you'll know that we host three trips uh, this year to Barcelona, Greece, and Croatia. I specifically want to talk about Greece, which is a gay sailing trip, and that is from June 18th through 25th, June 18th through 25th, and we actually only have one spot left on that trip, um, so there's room for one solo traveler, uh, and I think actually more than half the the attendees are solo travelers, the so rest two are, boats booked, right? we have two boats booked, so there's, yeah. there's one spot, so if you want to get on it, uh, let us know ASAP and before we sell out. In three months, we'll be sailing. In, in the, three months, we will be in sailing in Greece. And we're going to be oh doing God, a live yes. podcast from the Greek islands uh, on our sailing trip. And so wine. visit TooBadTourist.com to learn more about that. And just a reminder, if you like the show, please be sure to subscribe to it on Colin. Give the episode a like with the heart icon once it's published. And you can always follow us on social media. We're always at Too Bad Tourists. And lastly, please feel free to leave a comment about what you liked on the show or what you want to hear more of. Okay, so as we mentioned, we're going to be talking to Harry today. Um, and Nigeria is a destination we don't know much about. We haven't been before, and so we don't know much about culturally. So we're excited to have him here to tell us about what queer life is like there. And also to tell us about all the work that he's doing now. So, um yeah, and I had the I had the pleasure oh, of meeting yeah, Harry uh, a few months back in Atlanta at the International LGBTQ Plus Travel Association uh, convention. So we had a chance to chat uh, a couple times, and we got acquainted. So, Harry, why don't you go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, welcome to the podcast? Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thanks for yeah, joining uh, us. We're really excited to have you. Oh, uh, so we're interrupting your workday. <laughs> well, you know, anything for the the queer travel duo, the two bad. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, so it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll show up for two bad tourists anyway. Uh, thanks so much. <laughs> so, Harry, can we start by, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you do? Um, yes. So, I'm from Nigeria. I'm a media comm specialist. Um I've been I've been doing journalism for a while since like 2010. Um, I run the Rust in Times. It's an LGBT media platform um, that wants to elevate the conversation around um, queer folks um, on the African continent and in the African diaspora. So that is like our focus and our aim. Um, right now, I'm living in the U.S. Um, in Minnesota. 
Exciting. Uh, yeah, so there's that. But yeah, it's... it's <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah, there's that, yeah. But just in general, I'm just a very... I'm just very passionate about, you know, um, queer people in general. You know, I just want us to live the lives that we deserve, whether we are anywhere, wherever we are, you know. I yeah. want us to be able to thrive and just be like everybody else. Um, and that is my passion. And if I can amplify voices and cause a change in whatever way that I can, um, then I'll do just that. So that's just being in a nutshell. Love it. That's amazing. And can I ask what took you to Minnesota of all places? Um, I have family here, so it was an easy transition for me to, you know, to come here. Okay, got it. And talk, talking a little bit about your work and your career, like how did you actually get started in media and comms and, uh, and journalism and all that? Um, I went to school for it, first of all. <laughs> so I think that is always a, a very interesting entry point into the media, into having a media career, basically. But um, yeah, I've always been passionate about media. I've always loved pop culture. And so growing up, I wanted to be this pop culture icon. Um, I wanted to talk about pop culture issues um, wherever it is, whether it was on the radio, television, via magazines. Um, and so that's how, you know, that kind of formed my, how I moved in the world. And so, yeah, eventually I started out I got a job at a national television station in Nigeria, and I was there reporting the entertainment beat, um, but presenting entertainment shows, producing entertainment shows, working on the news. Um, yeah, and so I kind of like built myself from there um, before I expanded into doing media advocacy and just general news in general, and just news in general. Um, yeah, so that's how I got my start and now um you know i'm doing media advocacy work which i find more fulfilling um which you know when you're younger you want to be popular you want to be this <laughs> the next ryan secret <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Yeah. but i guess when you're older you start to look at things a bit differently you start to understand that um you know to be able to thrive uh to be able to live a regular happy life is very important than anything else. And I just knew that I didn't want to sacrifice um, my happiness for anything. And mm -hmm. yeah, and so that is, that is how my career trajectory <laughs> went from pop culture icon to Sogi advocate. It's yeah, it's a fascinating trajectory. It is. And it's, and it's so cool. You have the opportunity to be on TV in Nigeria and for, for, People who might not know, I mean, I was just looking up the population. Nigeria, at least according to Google, has 206 million people. So, I mean, that, that's a really, really large audience um, that you had with that. So congratulations on that. Um, it's really it's it's really great. Um, but I did want to ask, since we, we met at the IGLTA convention in Atlanta, which is the big LGBTQ plus tourism um, show, and I'm curious, like, what got your attention um, to that event? How did you get connected? And, and what were you hoping to accomplish by um, going and connecting with people there? I think uh, when I started the Resident Times, the plan was to, apart from just doing advocacy work, you know, for LGBT folks, I think the plan was also to be able to um, show 
that there is joy, you know, something that's something, something that black people see, black joy, right? Um, even though there's a struggle, um, there's still joy in the struggle, and we find moments of joy, regardless of whatever things that we're trying to advocate for or fight for. And so for it was very important that, you know, one of the resting times, it was very ideal that we highlighted moments of queer joy, you know, areas where, you know, queer people are, we're not, we're not just always fighting, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> but we're relaxing, we're going to parties, we're having a good time, we're chilling with our families and our friends, we're making memories. And so because of that, I, I stumbled on IJLTA um, during my work. And then I started seeing that, oh, there's this convention for queer travelers. And to be fair, people on the continent who may have means, right? Um, want to go, want to leave the continent and go to spaces where, even if it's for one week or two weeks, where their sexuality is not an issue, where they can be themselves freely. And so it was just a little bit of all, all these things that drew me to IGLTA and the work that they were doing. And it was around the time when IGLTA was also being very intentional about being very diverse and including different people that were not just, you know, white and american or, or european yeah. they're being very intentional to get people of different races different tribes and from everywhere and so i was seeing the work and i was documenting the work and so coming to america and having the opportunity to go for the conference was just it was a no-brainer for me i felt like i needed to be a part of seeing and because there is advocacy in joy you know, there's advocacy in travel. You know, what you, what you both are doing is a form of advocacy, even though it doesn't seem like it, but it is because you are showcasing, you're humanizing the experience of LGBT people around the world. And that is what IGLTA does, you know. And for me, it was important for me to just be there in that space and connect and, you know, make connections that I feel are will be life-changing and be very important. Uh, yeah, and, you know, th thankfully, I had a great time. And, you know, hopefully I will get to attend way more IGLTAs in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're glad yeah. you went, of course, because that's how you and Austin got exactly. connected. And, and here we are talking. on the podcast yeah, chatting about... So the, the work we do, which is which is awesome. Okay, so Harry, uh, so you're a SOGI advocate. Um, so again, that's a sexual orientation and gender identity advocate. That's the first time. Yeah, I've never I've heard that. I heard that. I like it. Yeah. I, I had to add it to my vocabulary. Uh, but could you explain to us uh, about the work that you do as a SOGI advocate and, and what that looks like? Um, well, the work that I do is mainly through the resting times, and it's through um, documenting experiences and stories of people who um, have had to deal or, what's the word, people who have had to experience discrimination based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity. And so um, for, exact, for, for Nigeria, for example, there are like anti-gay laws that exist, um, you know, and those laws create um, safe, unsafe spaces for queer people to thrive. Right, and mm -hmm. the media in general is not going to report on these issues and these gaps, and how these and how these things affect people, and so it was. It, it be, it's our responsibility at the resting times to be able to showcase and highlight some of these struggles and these challenges, and say that um, 
these laws affect us, these laws, you know, um, prevent us from getting access to, you know, whatever, whether it is jobs, employment, housing, whatever it is, you know, it creates stumbling blocks in different areas. And, you know, we want to change hearts and minds because we believe that if the general public, if the, if all Nigerians believe that everybody deserves basic human rights, regardless of their sexual orientation or their gender identity, then it's going to be easy to change the laws because the politicians serve the people. And mm-hmm, if people yeah. say that um, these laws are king, you know, we want a society that is more accepted and, and inclusive, then that's what we'll get. And so the onus is now, or the work, the work really is to change hearts and minds. How do you change hearts and minds? Through storytelling. Storytelling is very important. Telling the stories of people mm-hmm. who are living these experiences, people who are trans, people who are gay, people who are, you know, trying to just figure out themselves, people who are intersex, you know, talking about their experiences and documenting this so that, you know, people can't deny that there are no gay people in Nigeria or on the continent of Africa or whatever, you know, because you, you are seeing these experiences, you know, and these people are talking. And that's why the documentary was very powerful because you saw people talking real time about their experiences, you know? And so that is how I believe, um, you know, we do our advocacy work. And, that, and for us, we believe that the more people, the more we create content that people can connect with, that people that humanizes um, LGBT folks, the more we create this type of content, the more change we're going to see. You know? Okay. Yeah, of course. And can we uh, dive in then a little bit more into you know what life is like in Nigeria for for the queer community? You know, um, how is it seen from the societal view? Where do LGBT rights stand? You know, what are the laws exactly? Um, if we're being very honest, it is not. Life is. I feel like it's really hard. It is really hard. It is. I feel like there's there's just a lot of things that people in in uh, let me I'm trying to find the right words to use Mm -hmm. but people in countries that are more accepting for example there's a lot you know people take for granted you know what I'm saying how you can Mm -hmm. hold the hands of your partner and walk down the streets right Mm -hmm. how you can steal a kiss you know when you're on the bus you know these are things that you can do (laughs) if you're LGBT you know in Nigeria for example Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of hiding and a lot of shielding yourself you know, and a lot of protecting yourself. Even when you leave, it's so bad. Even when you leave, you know, the country, you're still hiding in a way because it's, it's, yeah. it's, your, it's your first instinct to hide and to just protect yourself from whatever it is that, you know, might be of harm to you. And so that is the experience of everybody. The experience is, is constant hiding, constant living in the shadows, Constant, you know, everything you're doing is has to be hush hush. You know, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. You don't want necessary attention to yourself because you can be made a scapegoat of. Because you know, it's a very religious country. It's a very um, the 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 religions, the major religions in the country have a stronghold on the political system. And even though the country is as corrupt as it comes. You know, there's a, there's a way people like to be very self-righteous and believe that, oh, um, here in Nigeria, everybody is, um, what's the word? Everybody in Nigeria is 
is religious and loves God so much, and so yeah. we don't want any sign of you know homosexuality or whatever. And so you have these attitudes coming back. And then if you had watched the documentary, the lawyer was staying in there that this has enabled states and non-state actors to take yeah. violence into their own hands. And now you we find situations where these individuals would for, are now like local vigilantes trying to fish out LGBT people and cause harm to them. So it's very, it is a very, it's a struggle and it's not easy um, as opposed to other places. You know, I'm not denying that there's no homophobia in, in, in a lot of countries or everywhere, but you know, when it's state sanctioned, yeah. there, there really is nowhere else you can run to. And we yeah. and we did we did watch your documentary and, and I remember um, yeah the lawyer basically said it people feel justified to perpetuate hate and homophobia because the the country's laws or the region's laws say that they can so it's it's really really a shame um, yeah. I wonder I don't know how long you actually consider yourself having been an advocate but like. Have you noticed any change in the LGBT acceptance in Nigeria? Like, has it evolved since you've kind of been out, accepted yourself? Has it gotten better, worse, stayed the same? Um, I don't know. I think people, I think, thankfully, thank God for social media, people are speaking and are safe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So social media gives people an opportunity to be able to speak about these issues, but to protect them because they're not having to deal with... Um, people in person however it's still it's still tough i mean you feel you, you expect young people to be more accepting you know there's a lot of media on netflix and all these streaming services that you know normalize and humanize lgbt relationships but the challenge is we don't have those um um the people it's almost as though uh, religion has a very strong hold on them and it's like the the messaging is going from one year and popping out of the other year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying. So, yeah. um, I say in a way, it is good that people can speak. People have found safe spaces online, but you know, you can only be online for so long. What happens offline? What happens when you're working? What happens when you come out to your folks? What happens when you are walking down the street? What happens when your neighbors find out? You know, there are so many things that are still, you know, hard, you know, so many factors that are still hard. And so those are some of the things that I feel um, make it really tough for people who are living in Nigeria. What would you say is the most important or some of the most important issues facing uh, the LGBT plus Nigerians today? I feel like uh, I've never really thought about it as most as what is the most important issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't look at it that way. I look at it that um, if there's anything Nigerians are united against, it's, it's homosexuality. And so it's, it's, it's like um, there are, even when the law, that the, the law was signed, you know, there was like a, cons- a general consensus to sign it in a very divided political climate. It was like, oh, the president has done something that we can stand behind. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, it's, it's yeah. just like very united. And when you have people so against, you know, LGBT folks, 
anything, you know, anything can be an issue. Getting like, getting an apartment can be an issue, mm-hmm. you know, keeping a job can be an issue, you know, unless you're willing to, you know, strip yourself of any form of queerness and just adapt, you know, and just maintain a low profile and keep your head down. You know, if you're a man, you marry a woman when you're in your 30s, so nobody suspects. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? If you're a woman, yeah. you do the same, vice versa. So, like, you have to really shrink yourself. Yeah, that was the that... Sorry, that was something, uh, yeah, in the documentary, somebody that you interviewed made that point as well of, like, hire gay people, right? Or hire queer people, I remember. They were saying something that you can do is, you know, to make sure that you hire them. Right, to get it's... them opportunities. Exactly. Right. Yes, yes, because opportunities are not lacking. You can't come into... You can't come into jobs in the fullness of yourself, you know? You know, I could not be, you know, even though I was working, you know, I had a job in mainstream media, I couldn't come, I couldn't step there in the fullness of myself. Yeah. You know, it was impossible. It would have been career suicide. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That is the reality of a lot of Career suicide. Yeah. Well... And, and speaking about being out, do you mind sharing with us your coming out story and what it was like kind of when you came to terms with yourself and, and if you shared that with anyone? Funny thing is, if I'm being honest, I, I don't have a coming out story. I don't oh, sorry, we a... thought you were gay. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you, you've just sorry. always been gay? So this <laughs> whole interview is so wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing, the thing is, because to be fair, I still have family members who do not know. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. Um, I've been able to protect myself and guard myself in a way that, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you're, you're, you're living your truth, but you're, not in, you're, you're still protecting yourself from, That's you know, outside forces or anything, uh, for lack of a better word. But I think that for me personally... It, it's just a thing of, I came to the point where I knew I couldn't lie to myself anymore. I knew that it was very impossible <laughs> for me to deny myself anymore. And I felt like I needed to, I needed to be more open because of, so I think, to be honest, I feel like the rest of the times is the reason why I think it saved me in a way. It helped me accept myself. It helped me love myself. And it gave me like a purpose to my community. You know, whatever, I, if, mm-hmm. it's the least, if it's the least that I can do to, um, to shine the light on what we're going through and our experiences, then I'm going to do that. And for me, that has been like my own journey. You get what I'm saying? I've not had a coming out moment you know, I don't know if I will. <laughs> never yeah. say never. But um, I feel like I am. Anybody that knows me knows, you know. And those that don't, don't. And it's okay if they don't. Um, but I'm just trying my very best to live a full life. And at the same time, trying my best to share light on what is going on, you know, on the continent and how we need to collectively change our hearts and minds. We need to collectively be intentional about being inclusive. We need to collectively realize that everybody deserves the right to just be, as long as they're not causing harm to themselves or anybody. And um, yeah, 
that's how I that's how I go through life. Um, so, could you tell us a little bit more about the Rustin Times? Uh, so, this is your online publication, um, and so, so could you tell us a little bit more how it relates to your advocacy work? And um, is it just you, or do you have a team? So, um, I had a team. Well, I didn't have a team. I had like volunteers that I, I've had volunteers that I've worked with over time. Because it's self-funded, I it's I basically run it myself. Okay. Um, put in my money. We don't have any donor funds. Um, we had we had we had a partnership with um, another organization um, for the ducks. You know, in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, um, you know, we had that partnership with them. Um, so that helped us with, with with like funding for like paying like volunteers. They helped us with like funding the, the documentary and all these other things, and you know, just helping us run the day to day on the website. Um, so that was really good. Um, but yeah, so it's, we're just basically a media advocacy platform. We want to tell stories of, uh, you know, African LGBT folks in the diaspora mm-hmm. and on the continent. Mm-hmm. We want to make more documentaries. We want to make more web shows. We want to make podcasts. We want to do many things, basically, you know. And so I think the it's just getting, figuring out how to get funding to run these projects, you know. How do we fund, you know, get money to be able to keep it alive and keep it running and hire people to create content for the platform? But what we're doing is using storytelling as our avenue to sharing the experiences of LGBT people. We want LGBT writers to write opinion pieces on things that are happening in the world, right? Mm -hmm. As it affects them. You know, write those opinion pieces. Let people know where our mind is at as it gets these issues. So yeah, that's that's the rest of times in a nutshell. Great, and and we've talked a little bit about your uh, documentary already. Um, the title is uh, "Defiance: Voices of a New Generation," and as I mentioned, um, Austin, I watched it last week and we really enjoyed it. Can you tell us um, uh, about making the documentary and how how you got it started and the impact it's had? Sure, definitely. So I always wanted to do a documentary um, about what it's like being LGBT in Nigeria. And so when we partnered with that organization, it felt like a great opportunity to explore that. And I wanted to talk to young people who were queer and who were being very, um, who were trying really hard to advocate for change, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the Gen Z's of change. Yeah. And, you know, how people talk about how Gen Z's are radical. And I wanted to just capture that and just let people know that, you know, there are people who are very concerned about the state of affairs in the country and who really want to see a desired change, you know, regardless. And so I wanted to just document that and share that experience and, and kind of celebrate them for the work that they were doing. Because what they were doing is very, what they're doing is very brave, you know? Very brave. And so it was like a celebration of them and to also show a different side of what the Rustin Times can do. You know, mm-hmm. we have been seen as just this website, this blog, you know, and we wanted to also let people know that we are more than just a website or a blog. We can do, we have the skill sets to create, a, you know, content that, you know, can help with advocacy, with litigation and policy change. We have the tools to create that. Um, yeah, and so that was what inspired Defiance and it was very nerve-wracking making it because <laughs> you don't want to do something wrong. Um, you also want to, 
you know, you want to you want to protect the integrity of the cause that you represent. And so, yeah, that was well. You did a good job, and we really enjoyed it. And and we liked uh, we enjoyed getting to hear their stories of the people that that were interviewed. You were also involved in in another documentary. I think you co-directed State of Emergency. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, State of Emergency. Can you that tell was us the, about that. Sure, it's a documentary from Love Matters Niger. It is um, at the time I was the editor of the platform, and we wanted to create um, a documentary that spoke about the state of gender-based violence in the country and how it was affecting women. And so, if you watch the documentary, we have just women speaking in the documentary mm-hmm. because gender-based violence is affects women on it on the on a tremendous high. I'm not saying it doesn't affect men or other people, but um, in Nigeria, statistics show it, and we wanted to highlight it. And what, what was interesting was the government had declared a state of emergency on gender-based violence, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, you've declared a state of emergency, but what has happened since then? What, what has been, you know, what is the, what have you done, right, to, to ensure that this is curbed? And so we wanted to just highlight that. And it was a very beautiful piece of work. Um, it was directed by Ativa Oluwashiun, and I was, I was co-director. And yeah, it was, it was a great project. I'm very proud of it also. Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. And also congratulations on another uh, piece of content that you do. I believe you actually have a podcast um, as part of your content repertoire, The Harry Minute. So yes. can you tell us a little bit about that podcast and what you discussed? Yes, um, sure I can. So the Harry Minute started out as a pop culture podcast. Like I said before, I had a pop culture dream. Right, right. Um, So it started as a pop culture um, podcast. But um, I think I also got weary of doing pop culture commentary. I feel like, I guess it came with getting older and seeing that the world is not black and white and celebrities are humans too. And, you know, pop culture commentary can be hard and can be tough. And so I wanted to just go away from that. And so I started doing much more general social commentary. So talking about things that affected, you know, me and just the, the average person, um, things I found fascinating. Spoke up, we did an episode on spirituality, um, on homeschooling in Nigeria, because homeschooling is not very popular in Nigeria. And so I spoke to someone who was homeschooling her kids in, in the country and what that dynamic was like for her, um, and just different topics in general. You know, we also, but you know, as someone who does media advocacy for Sogi issues, you know, I also did stories on queer people, like dating as a queer person in the country, or experiences as a trans, I spoke to a trans woman about her experiences being trans in Nigeria also. And so, yeah, you know, the Harimidus is on hiatus right now, um, because there are a lot of things I'm figuring out personally, a lot of things that I'm trying to put in place, but definitely, you know, it's going to come back with way more content and hopefully <laughs> I can have you all. Yeah. And talk we'll about. Happy, we'd be happy to join you. Of you know, course. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'm a podcast junkie, so I'm happy and excited to add the Harry Minute to, to my podcast list. Please, um, please do. Harry, I'm convinced that you never sleep. Uh, <laughs> so... I'm sure that you're currently working on something. That's what I want to ask you. What's next? What are you working on? You've done podcasts, documentaries, your online publication, your advocacy work. Well, what's what's next? To be fair, I have 
another documentary that I'm working on, right? Great. I haven't started, I haven't started working on, I haven't started filming or anything yet, but I have like the entire, um, concept nerve spoken to the, in the, the subjects and all that stuff. However, I'm, I feel like I'm just taking out time to just really figure out and re-strategize what I really want for myself. Um, mm-hmm. personally, uh, my new career goals, uh, you know, how I, and what I want for like the content that I create, what I want for the rest of the time, so what I want for the Harry minutes. So I'm in a space of rest right now. I'm in a space of deep reflection. Um, and yeah, so, but just keep, um, just stay tuned. Good, yeah, yeah. we will um, stay tuned. Yeah, <laughs> well, I want to, I want to bring it back a little bit to travel since this is actually a travel podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, how has travel impacted you personally over the years and, and just in the work that you do and, and even just on a personal, um, side? Uh, travel has been amazing. I feel like travel has opened my eyes to, you know, people from different experiences, different cultures. I feel like when you are well-traveled, you see the world differently and you interact with people differently. And um, you come into spaces with a new level of understanding that someone who has spent their entire life in one spot might not, you know, come with. And so for me, that is what I, I love the best about traveling. The fact that my mind has been expanded, I've been able to see things differently, and I'm able to just engage with people on the... I feel like I can say that a lot of the things I, I know, a lot of things I've learned over time come from just engaging with different people from different backgrounds, and mm-hmm. this all happened through travel. <laughs> and so I really, I really do love to travel. It's, it's a gift. <laughs> Okay, so if we were going to, or any of our listeners were going to travel to your country, to Nigeria, what what destinations, what places do you recommend? Um, first of all, it's <laughs> I'm going to be very honest. You know, it's not a gay-friendly spot. So, you That's know, the next question. <laughs> it isn't at all. I think we got that message. <laughs> it, is, it isn't at all, so you got to be careful. But um, I think that you can, there, you know, it has a vibrant nightlife. Um, to explore. There's a vibrant, um, lots of clubs, lots of great food to try, great restaurant, great, great restaurants, a very active theater scene in Lagos. So you can go mm-hmm. watch plays. Um, there's a park, it's called Freedom Park. Um, it's a hotspot of arts and creativity. And so, yeah, there, is a, there, are, there are lots of cool spots to visit. It's a very nice place to be. Okay, but for LGBT travelers, the message is be careful. Yeah. yeah yes. Sure. Yes. It's not gay friendly at all. And have you, while you were living in, in Nigeria, did you get a chance to travel to any like neighboring countries or, or did you really stay mostly in, in your home country? Oh, definitely. I traveled to, um, to Ghana, went to Accra, went to Nairobi. I love Nairobi. Um, been to Johannesburg. Um, yeah, I've been to Togo, Lome in Togo. So yeah, I've been to a couple of African countries. Really enjoyed, you know, the, the African the African continent is very, we're the same, but we're also very diverse. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, yeah. mm-hmm. we're different, you know, we're not a monolith, right? Um, right. And so there's a different experience in every country that you go to. So yeah, so we're similar, but we're not the same. Exactly. That's the word I was trying to, I was trying to find. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So different cultures, different experiences. Um, yeah. 
So um, before we wrap up, is there um, one piece of advice you'd like to share with our listeners or maybe something that we didn't ask you that you wish we had asked you? Um, I, nothing really. I just think that I, I, I think um, what I would say is um, there is a lot of power in just being yourself and just doing what you like and what you enjoy. And so it's not until you take a placard and go to the front of, you know, the building and protest before you think you're making a change by just living and just doing your thing. You are also making a change too. And so uh, just remember that in how you engage in your everyday life. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, Austin, sorry. No, I was just said that's, that's awesome advice and, and just recognizing that sometimes visibility is really, um, you know, almost as important if not equally important as mm-hmm. you know advocacy mm-hmm. work in different ways yes well said well i guess harry the, the last question we have for you is where are you traveling to next um i think i want to i, I want to go to like new york i've never been before um mm-hmm. so i'm thinking that maybe that'll be like where i'll go to for my birthday just visit the big apple awesome next the city yeah it's a, a good birthday gift yeah. to yourself for sure <laughs> yeah Okay, uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with us, Harry. So before we finish up, let's uh, plug some of your, your uh, all of your things. So first, they can find your uh, publication online at um, therustintimes.com, correct? Yes. Uh, both of your documentaries, State of Emergency and Defiance Voices of a New Generation, are on YouTube. As yes, I they found. are. Um, and the Harry Minute can be found um, on your personal website, is that correct? Yes, and everywhere podcasts are streamed, so... Okay. Yeah. So if you Google the Harry Minute, they'll find it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to share uh, your experience and your story with us, and we really enjoyed it, and we enjoyed this time with you, and thanks for educating us on, on these topics. Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and hope to, you know, do this again soon. Uh, we hope to see you in Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Harry. We're going to put you on mute and we're going to wrap up. Okay. Okay. All right. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening um, and joining us today. Oh, I'm doing the call to action. <laughs> <laughs> David just pointed to me as if I was supposed to say something. Oh, that's this me. Is, I'm doing this it. This is his bit. Okay. This is me. <laughs> so if you, if you enjoyed the show, uh, we hope you did because we certainly did. Uh, please subscribe to us on Colin and give the episode a like with the heart icon. Once it's published, you can find us on social media. We are always at Two Bed Tourists. And please feel free to leave a comment on the published episodes about what you enjoyed, what you liked, what you want to hear more of. And as always, we will be back uh, next week. And just to give you a sneak peek of our next episode, we will be speaking with Joey Amato from pridejourneys.com to talk to us about his experiences as a travel journalist, his online publication, and about uh, underrated queer-friendly destinations around the U.S. So uh, we're going to try out a little bit of a new time, which will be, I hope we get the time zones correct, because there's kind of an awkward time between Europe and U.S. where they haven't switched. But I believe it is 10 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central European time, and check your time zones. 
yeah, whatever you're based I think in the world. <laughs> Spain's daylight savings <laughs> is, is this, this weekend, weekend yeah. so we should match up to our normal yeah. difference and, of time. And apologies next week. for for you guys who uh, tried to join the show and maybe thought you missed it, but we we got confused with the the time zone change. So I think we figured it out. Yeah, I think we figured it out. So thanks to the live listeners, and until next week. Yep. Bye, guys. Thank you, Harry. Bye.